Good morning. Good morning. Saints of the Lord. Hope you're doing well this morning. Today we will begin a new adventure in the book of James. And so before, let me just read first and then I'll pray. So if you would, find the book of James and we'll read the first uh, 11 verses. I'm only going to park on one, would be the first verse of James. But please, when you find your place, stand with me to reading God's Word. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the... That man ought not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. The rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and it flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So to the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the written word. We thank you, Lord, for the word that we have in our hands this morning, the words that we just read, the new book that we will be going through. Lord, we, we thank you that you're just not leaving us out there guessing who you are. But by your grace and your care, Lord, we are able to know you more by the power of the Holy Spirit, being in unity with you, unity with the brethren and the sister and the church, having one goal in our mind, and that is to glorify you. So, Lord, as we open just this first verse today, may we see... Your heart, Jesus, the Christ, his heart, James, the half-brother, his heart, as he writes these words unto us. Lord, what a privileged people we are. And help us, Lord, be willing this very day to look upon your word as the one of the greatest gifts we've ever have received. The number one gift is the gift of salvation, the gift of faith, and, and so on, the gift of repentance. Lord, help us to have a heart in tune with our brother James. We pray these things for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. We are, again, starting the book of James today. There's many things that uh, we want to look at. 
But I want to bring all these things for the last couple months with us. Because James is going to teach us we're not to just be hearers of God's words. We're actually to be doers of God's words. And it's not because we have to, but it's driven by the want to. And James calls us brethren. Now I want us to look at James. When we look at James, we want to look at James that is written from God to us. Directly. And that's good news. Because the same thing that's taking place here is taking place in our lives every day. And we have to be dedicated unto our Christ. So as we look back, we, we look back all the way back to Philippians. And it taught us how to find true contentment in God. In peace and joy. Through the life of the Christian that is running up and down all the time. Amen. It's all the times, one battle after the other. And we will learn in the book of James why. And it's because of the perfect work of Christ being done in us. If you're convicted of sin, praise the Lord for that. If you're not convicted of sin, be afraid. Be very afraid. Because James is going to pull that out. And I will get into it later, but I'm, I'm telling you now, James is not coming with a hammer to smash you and destroy us. James is coming with his heart. That's, that's good news. We must see the heart of James in his scripture. As we look through this, we have seen also the work of God in the Christian life through Philippians that's in us in the process of sanctification. Going to Habakkuk was a perfect book to go to. Uh, uh, Christ, I mean, uh, Brother Chris has uh, uh, unpacked that thoroughly for us. And I pray that you're able to remember what he said. Because we're, we're called to dwell on these things. If you remember back in Philippians, dwell on these things, chew on these things, count these things out, that it may forever be before us. Because we... Don't want to be that forgetful here. We want to apply these things to our lives. So we see the power of God and his understanding. How, uh, in his understanding, how we don't always understand how God works. But I'm going to tell you, the Old Testament makes the uh, New Testament so much better. And the New Testament makes the Old Testament make sense. And it's the power of God. One true God from the book of uh, uh, Genesis all the way to Revelation. That's the power of God that he speaks to us, his people. The chosen ones, the predestined ones, the sanctified ones, being sanctified and going to be sanctified no matter what day in Christ. Now, I, I want to ask you a question. Before we actually get dug into this, I want to ask you a question. And if you would commit with me, as we go through the book of James, after learning what we have in Philippians, in Habakkuk, in the sovereignty of the Almighty God, would you come alongside me? And as I come alongside you, alongside with you, to adhere to God's word. To hear what James has to say to us. Would you make that commitment? You did already. 
the day that you came to salvation. But reaffirm it today. Lord, as we move forward through the book of James, in every word in your Bible, not just the book of James, that, Lord, we really want to be those that apply what we hear from James, from you, to our lives. To be changed by our lives. To kick out what doesn't need to be in there. To bring in what needs to be in there. Commit, make this commitment. Because when we go through James, he's going to pull out several things. And it should be an encouragement to those who are in Christ and want to know him more. And those that don't know him, well, you may be exposed in this, this as well. We would want that as well, wouldn't we? You may not understand it now. But I want you to look at the book of James. James, the book of James was written in around 40 A.D., a lot of things has happened since then, even as he had written the word. Now I want you to also think about and know this, that James is the very first words of the New Testament. That's heavy, isn't it? The very first words of the New Testament says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings, meaning rejoice. And again, I say rejoice that we know this God and what this God is going to show us out of this Bible and what he's going to show us in the next couple months, however long it takes us to get through this, that is just a practical guide for the Christian life and what conduct of a believer looks like. See, we can't hide from it because it's going to find us out if we really want this. Now, I don't know about you, but I want this more every day. I'm not satisfied with my want to. My level's still too, too low. My want to should be much higher than what it is to be conformed to the image of Christ. But I, we have got to see the love of James to the people. And this will make more sense when we get to the end. James, the, the very first letters, first letter to the church. Now, I want to talk about James for just a minute. Who is James? I'll tell you. In the process of elimination, I'm going to cut it short. It's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. The half-brother of Jesus Christ who did not come to faith till after the resurrection. And that's pretty interesting stuff when you think about James. When we have 108 verses of James and there are 54 commands, 54 imperatives, that speaks to us directly. It says, do this. Why? Well, because I want to. Because we want to. Amen? That's what we want. Isn't God good to give us the written word of God? It's all going to come together, so I want you to stay with me. This letter was written, no letter than uh, 62 uh, certainly before 62, because James was murdered at the time. So it's, it's the late 40s, early 50s. And I'm telling you, as I went through this, they're all over the place, exactly when this is written. 
and exactly all the dates that are in there. But we know this had happened. That he's writing, James being a Jew, is writing to Jewish believers. Not just the Jews. Like an unconverted man is welcome to read the Bible. But he's writing to Jewish believers. My brethren, it says, counting all joy. And so we see that James is the oldest of the stepbrothers of Jesus. James the elder, James the just, James camel knees. And I say that before time, but the, really the book of James is going to teach us also how to pray. James spent much time in prayer that he had got the nickname Camel Knees because the calluses were on his knees from spending so much time in prayer. Now, I don't think any of us, I used to have a shirt to show that a, a man uh, in the legs with the knees wore out on it, saying pray, pray without ceasing. Well, i be honest with you, brothers and sisters, I don't have any pants like that because of that. My pants were wore out in that way because I crawled underneath houses and stuff. And my knees were had calluses. They don't now, but they had calluses of that. But James spent so much time talking to his big brother. Now grab that. It's half-brother, yes. Why is it a half-brother? Why is Jesus a half-brother? Because Jesus' father is not of this world. It's God himself. That's highly, highly important that we grab that. James and his other three brothers had the same mom and dad. Jesus had the same mom, but not the same father. And here's where it lies at. If Jesus Christ is not God, we are all damned because no man can satisfy holy justice. That's wonderful. Clinging to Christ even more that James is rightness to us today and even to the church before any other words were written in the New Testament. I, I really enjoy that, just, just thinking about that. Jesus Christ being the firstborn among many brethren. And we have a big brother too, but don't dumb it down. Jesus Christ is our God, right? our Savior, our Lord, our doulos on kurios. What does that mean? A slave unto the Lord. Isn't that good? Because of the work that he's done in us. But I want to thank for, want you to pause for just a minute. Think about James. James was raised up in the same household of the incarnate God. He maybe shared the same room, shared the same bed, maybe wore the hand-me-downs from Jesus. He had the perfect brother. Now, I had a brother, and I would tell you, and if he was alive today, I would tell him today that he was not the perfect brother. Neither was I. But we can't be loud. We can't voice a bunch here where Scripture is silent. So we do have to be careful. But there is a process here. Just think about having Jesus as your big brother. And we'll look even further than that in just a minute. But having 
God incarnate as your big brother. If there was an argument, I guarantee you it was one-sided. Because Jesus wasn't in the wrong. Amen? Jesus was never in the wrong about anything. And so any argument that did come up when they were growing up together, unconverted, growing up together, right? Um, I guarantee you 100%, I have no problem with saying this, is that James was wrong. But it goes on, it goes further. After all the years of seeing all these miracles that took place, not all of them, they got word from some and watched all these things take place. And I, we don't know what Jesus did in his teenage years or what kind of miracles were done at that time. We, the, the scripture is silent right there. There's people that try to put a bunch in there that's not there, so we have to be very careful of that. And besides that, we already know what we would do with it. We would make it an idol just like we did in, uh, in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ was a babe in all God, but he didn't stay there. These people, his brothers, right, even opposed him, as John 7, 5 says, they were not believing until something happened. Until something happened, what happened? Well, after the resurrection, after the ascension, Paul writes in Corinthians, he writes this in uh, second, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7. Now listen to this. For I delivered to you as of the first importance what I was also received, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. See, we put a value here on scripture. If we, we don't value the scripture, we, we, there's a major problem. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, then the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Most of them remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. After the resurrection. So James was able to see these miracles take place. James was maybe at the time uh, was able to see that the, uh, the crucified God on the cross, his brother nailed to the cross, shredded to pieces, right? Possibly, and it's not 100% sure, right? And, and we also see that uh, he saw him buried or knows that he was buried. I mean, his family's not going to lie to him in that regard, I wouldn't think. But the point is, is that he was able to see Jesus grow up, face the cross, be buried, and be resurrected. And after this resurrection, he still didn't believe until Christ came to him. Why? Because it's the power of God that unveils himself to us. It's the power of the Almighty God that you are able to see this God and to know this God and be free from the law. There's no condemnation. Amen. We are set free to honor God in every part. But you also see it too after the resurrection. Jesus walked on the earth for 40, years, or 40 days, right? 
He may have saw him, and he may even been at the, uh, the time of the ascension. We know that he was in the upper room after that, but he may have watched his brother. Could you imagine being there if he was there? But just take, a, take one of the other ones that were there. Could you imagine? Jesus, number one, could you imagine seeing your brother that was dead? Coming to talk to you. And empower you to believe. That's pretty amazing stuff. But again, he may have been in the group that saw his brother ascend to heaven. According to scripture, his big brother showed up and told him something that he needed to be resurrected himself, spiritually dead. See, this strips man of all ability, but gives God the glory, fixing their eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Isn't that wonderful? Think about what God has done in behalf of us in God's time and every one of you that are lovers of Jesus Christ today in exactly the day that you were supposed to come to salvation, not a second early, not a second late, is when God pulled back the veil that you may see Christ in all his glory and be converted to from a hater of God to a lover of God. Sold out. Sold out to this God. Why? Because he's God. James goes on keeping his eyes focused upon Christ. He came later in life. I was 40 years old. Before I come to true salvation, you may be up in the years and may still be lost today. I, I don't know. But one thing for sure, when God removes the veil to let you see, things change. He didn't oppose Jesus anymore. Matter of fact, he was martyred. Again, in 62 AD, some say he was stoned. Some say he was beat to, get, uh, beat to death with clubs and then taken up to the mount uh, on the temple and thrown off. I mean, there's all kind of stuff. There's possibilities that happen. We know that he dies for the cause of Christ. And so he, he writes to these people. Campbell Knees is writing to us. God is writing to us. James becomes the pillar of the church. James is the part of the Jerusalem council where we ha they had to figure out, listen, do we have to be circumcised or not to be a Christian? And James quotes scripture. Peter quotes preference. And later became the pillars of the church. So we see that it's, it's a wonderful Letter unto us, James, 
the half-brother of Jesus the Christ. But now I want to look at the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if on the flesh, you know in this world, you know how that works. If you know somebody up in higher rank, whether they're related to you or not, the first thing you say is, I know such and such. That means yes, because it got so quiet with that. <laughs> because you know somebody that's up in the ranks or something, that's who you bring in. Just like when I was unconverted and somebody would talk to me about, try to talk to me about the Lord, I would tell them, hey, my, my granddaddy was a preacher. What that amounted to was absolutely nothing. It didn't gain me any stature, did it? No. James, a bondservant. James, a slave. James, a bondservant, one that has been purchased of God, his big brother. James is the one that legally is owned by Jesus Christ himself and devotes his entire life and purpose and livelihood and everything about him. You know who James believed. You know what James is. He doesn't have to tell you that he's a lover of Jesus Christ. People look at him and know. Do they look at us and know? Is the question. Can they see Christ in us, pouring out of us? I'm okay with being a bond servant. I hope you are. Because we were a slave to something. Romans tells us, he said, do, not, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to whom you obey either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to the form of the teaching in which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. Willingly, because he made you willingly, you have received uh, the bondage, which is a good bondage of a good master. He doesn't say, James, younger brother of Jesus Christ. He says, James, one bought with a price, one purchased, one that belongs to Christ. Corinthians tells us, it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Not hearers of the word only, hearers and doers of the word. So we see that of the Lord Jesus Christ, God in of the Lord Jesus Christ, making it clear they're one and the same. You can unpack a whole lot there, you can spend a lot of time in that, but I tell you, Jesus is calling Jesus Christ Lord. Amen? Jesus, not just by out of respect, but Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the uh, Kurios, the, 
Doulos autos curious, right? Uh, Jesus is the Lord of glory, and he puts it right beside God. The equality of God is something that could not be grasped from the unconverted. Mentioned in John several, several times. James is now convinced that Jesus is the promised Messiah. To the twelve tribes, he writes. Who are the twelve tribes? Well, at this time, it's not restricted to the twelve tribes of the Jewish people only, but now... What has happened is, is the Jewish community, the Christian Jewish community, Christian, those that have received the unveiling of Jesus Christ before them, that unveiled their heart, that unveiled their eyes, that opened up their ears, and everything changed. Those people, that means us. Those people was he's writing to. Those that were dispersed. Why were they dispersed when? After... Stephen, one was raised up in a timely manner. As we have gone through the book of Habakkuk, we see that God is the God of judgment. God is the God of mercy. God is the God of righteousness. God is the God of promise that never broke one. He made a promise unto his people and will keep his promise unto his people. You just don't have eternal life one time. You were never a Christian one time. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you always will be a believer of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he doesn't do that work for your glory. He does that work for his glory. We're his workmanship. Isn't that wonderful stuff? Now, are we hearing from God? Are we listening from God? Are we applying the things that God is telling us and writing to us? Are you a bondservant of, of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because these things are going to come out and flesh out as we continue on. A bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Equality mentioned. The oneness of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So those that were spread out outside the Jerusalem, outside of and communities in Rome, Alexandria, Cyprus, and in the cities of uh, Greece and Asia Minor, all these people that have been scattered out because of the cause of Christ. This letter goes to them. James wrote with his heart at the end of his pen. He has his blood writing, writing these letters unto us with his heart being the ink. Amen? He is writing to us to be encouraged. Because these people, as we see in uh, Acts 7 through 8.3, I'm going to read that. Stephen says this, You men who are stiff-necked, verse 51, and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did, which one of the prophets did? Your fathers. Wait. Which one of these prophets, which one of these prophets did what your fathers now persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, who betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet keep it not. 
Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. They began to gnash their teeth, being full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, he gazed intently at heaven. Now, imagine what he saw. The first martyr right here of the New Testament. He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Do you see that? He saw this. He recorded this. As they, somebody recorded this as this was being there. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out and with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witness laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man called Saul who we get a lot of theology from later, meaning Paul. They went on to stoning Stephen as he called out on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, listen to this. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Would that be you? Only the power of God being strengthened by the Holy Spirit would be able to say something like that. Man, after he said these things, he, he died. In 8, 3, we see, 8, verse 1 through 3, we see that Saul is in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church of Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles, some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house to house and drag, dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. This is the people that he's writing to. James, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes that are dispersed, scattered abroad. Then he says greetings. I'll get to that in just a minute. But he says rejoice. The greetings that he sets right here actually means rejoice. So let me read it again. The 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, scattered abroad, rejoice. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. As, as just thinking about this church, was didn't have, they didn't have a church. They were scattered abroad, right? Do we think these words are out of our reach to rejoice in hard times? Sometimes we do because we put God on the shelf. And we worry more about the problem than who God is. So the what becomes the problem, and we miss who the who, the who is. Right? And, and once we keep our, get our focus off of, off of him, then it all begins. But he's writing these people that have lost their family. These people that have been uprooted from where they live at. Lived for many years. Scattered. These people that live in fear. 
Right? It's easy to watch it on TV. It's e- easy to see somebody else go through something. Man, it is so easy to read it in the Bible. But we are to take heart to know that this is the God of glory that is in Habakkuk. That's brought these things out. God before us who could be against us. Absolutely no one. But we are. what do you say to somebody that has lost their job? That doesn't have any food? Because of Christ, that is, that has been persecuted because they're a lover of Jesus Christ. Because everything has gone south in their life, they're spread out, right? They're spread out, scattered. What do you say to them? That God is real, that He's on the throne. And as we go through this book, we will see many things brought out for us. And as we look at the heart of James, James is writing them to encourage them not to beat them to pieces. Isn't that good? A lot of people view it as, oh, we're going to be beat to death because we're going to James. Well, maybe there's a problem there that we need to address. You need to address with the Lord. But if we get the overall picture of what has taken place, let's just do a summary real quick. And we, we see the summary that James, a slave unto the Lord. James, the person that grew up in the same house, God incarnate. James that heard about the miracles, watched the crucifixion, possibly, right, and, and saw the resurrected Christ. And God himself talked to him directly. And changed James's heart, his position. And now he writes to the people that this same thing has happened to. James is a lover of Jesus Christ, writing to us. And he says, Rejoice. Rejoice. The God of glory is our God. The God of glory is the one that is making these things before us. Even just the thought of all this. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe Scripture? Because it's going to tell you, your life is going to tell you what you believe about Scripture. There's many people that could quote upwards back. Satan could do it quicker than any language, however you want to do it. That doesn't mean the children of God. That's proven. James came later. He was grew. He grew up in a Jewish community. He grew up with his mama putting uh, scripture verses in his brain, right? Constantly doing that throughout their lives, and then he comes later in life, much later in life, to the glorification of seeing Christ and all that He is. So in these troubles. This, this letter to the dispersed, he's telling fix your eyes upon the Lord. And now I'm going to tell you, it's not saying that you shouldn't have emotions, so we, and we will unpack this later, right? It's not saying that we don't, we don't feel bad when my dad dies, I felt bad. I didn't know the Lord, it would have been a whole lot different at that time. But it doesn't mean that we put on a little smiley face and act like we're not hurt. No, it does not. It means get in touch with your emotions, but don't let your emotions control you. Don't let your emotions forget who God is. 
That's how you handle that. It's okay to cry. Amen? We forget that. It's okay to say, man, I am weak and I need help. It's okay. Because we know the one that has all power, all understanding, that's going to walk side by side with us through the book of James. Are you willing to come with us in this covenant agreement of the New Testament and say, Lord, conform me into the image of your Son? Are you willing to cut out of your lives that are wrong as we're being exposed by the truth of God and to put into practice what God is actually teaching us? Are we willing to be a changed people and to live a life that is separated from the world but separated unto Christ that has redeemed us. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. Lord, there is so much more that could have been said here. But Lord, we, we need help to understand. And your word that we will get into says, ask of you. And you will give it to us freely. Help us to understand the things in our lives, Lord, that just don't line up with you. That you, we know that we need to repent of them right now. That we know we're doing wrong, but yet refuse to repent. Lord, I, I pray for the one that's battling with that right now that you would crush, tear down that barrier. That, Lord, we are weak and need much help. We need encouragement. And encouragement knowing that we belong to you. And this is going to control our attitudes as we go through the trials by faith. That you would help us to see our need and the advantages of these trials to strengthen us and to give us assistance along the way. Lord, if we're 98% committed to you, help us to repent. Help us, Lord, to be all in this very day and forevermore that we would apply your word to our very hearts. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. 